Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. I am Dr. Jimmy Christman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week, I want to bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, and professors of theater education that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 22 of Fed Talks Podcast. I am excited to bring this interview to you this week. My, I had a conversation with uh, best-selling author Ian Descher. Ian wrote the uh, William Shakespeare Star Wars uh, series, where he took the, the Star Wars stories and adapted them into uh, Old English, so they are Star Wars a la Shakespeare. Um, a lot of fun, and um, he has several other books out, McTrump, and Much Ado About Mean Girls. Um, and the way I uh, really came into uh, knowing about Ian's work was when the Shakespeare 2020 project popped up in my Facebook feed. And I dug into it, and it is a, uh, a thing that Ian has put into place. He's got a website for it with all kinds of fantastic resources for you teachers that you are going to want to cash in on that are out there that are free. Um, but it, for me personally, he has a, a calendar set up of how to read all of Shakespeare's works, sonnets, histories, tragedies, comedies, and everything in between from Shakespeare all in one year. I have taken on the challenge and I am caught up. I have read the uh, Twelfth Night, uh, Henry the Sixth, Part One and Two, and I'm in the middle of working on Part Three. Probably by the time this airs, several other plays will have uh, gone under my belt as well. But being a Shakespeareophobe myself, I, I I'm, I have never had really great experience with Shakespeare uh, from my teachers growing up and therefore kind of went into college hating Shakespeare and uh, um, have kind of avoided it most of my, my teaching career. I would teach the things in class, uh, cover history, we'd read one of the major plays, um, and I've directed Romeo and Juliet, but I've... Um, always straight away from it simply because the language has always kind of terrified me. So um, this has been uh, something that I'm doing to kind of conquer one of my fears. And uh, um, just I, I, I feel that I need to have uh, this this knowledge and this information in my toolkit to use in the future. The more I've listened, the more I've read, because um, I talked about in the interview that I, I not only read the plays, but I listen to them as well. Um, I've really enjoyed the language. I've, I've started enjoying the stories and the characters. Um, so I, I think it's a worthy, uh, some, something worthy of you checking out. Um, for teachers out there who love Shakespeare, who love teaching Shakespeare, thank you. Keep doing the great work. Um, and for those of you out there like me, I think this is a great way to kind of conquer those fears or at least tackle them and uh, uh, expose yourself to much more of it. Um, and again, the resources that Ian provides each week are phenomenal and you're going to want to check those out. So I had a wonderful conversation with him. I do hope you enjoy um, and uh, just kind of take into heart uh, kind of what a, a non-teacher um, is bringing to us and that we could use in our classroom. So I'm going to quit talking and let Ian do most of it. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Ian Desher. I'm excited to welcome to Fed Talks today, Ian Desher, Dr. Ian Desher, but we're going to call him Ian today, uh, for joining me on the show. He is an author um, of all kinds of really cool um, Star Wars adaptations uh, via Shakespeare's language, um, a play that I've started reading actually this week, Trump, and um, 
we're going to talk a little bit more about the Shakespeare 2020 project as well that I think you theater teachers are going to be interested in hearing about. But um, Ian, welcome to the show. And uh, we'd just love to hear a little bit from you, just kind of a little bit about you and kind of your journey to where we are right now with all the work that you've done so far. Sure. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Um, I can start off by saying uh, I have been a uh, lover of Shakespeare since really my freshman year in high school when uh, we first read Othello in English class and uh, my English teacher at the time also explained uh, poetic meter and poetic feet and that sort of thing to us. Um, and I just sort of instantly fell in love with it. Uh, and it was this was around the same time that Kenneth Branagh was uh, coming out with his Shakespearean adaptations as films. And uh, so it was a good time to be a, a young person getting into Shakespeare. Uh, and I've been a Star Wars fan my my whole life, really, from before I have memories. Um, and I, uh, about eight years ago, had the idea to take the original Star Wars movie and rewrite it as though it were a play by Shakespeare. Uh, and I contacted a publisher, and they then went on to get the rights from Lucasfilm. And um, so I've ended up doing uh, eight, and what by the end of this year will be nine uh, of those Star Wars adaptations for the various uh, Star Wars episodes. Um, yeah, and then and then I have been wanting it right after college uh, in 1999. I I read the complete works of Shakespeare, having uh, having loved Shakespeare, and. Uh, you know, delved into many of his plays, but not all. I wanted to go ahead and read the complete works. And so I did that in 1999. And for years, I've been thinking about revisiting them and rereading the complete works and decided that 2020 would be a good year to do that. And figured as long as I was doing it, I might as well invite anybody else who was interested to join me. And so um, I started the Shakespeare 2020 project, um, which is uh, really just a, a project where all of us individually are uh, are reading through the plays uh, or or some people are listening to the plays or just watching adaptations of them or whatever. But all of us are experiencing the plays uh, on the same schedule, generally speaking. Um, I've used the uh, Riverside Shakespeare as my sort of guide for the schedule, uh, reading the plays in, in rough chronological order, at least by genre, tragedies, comedies, histories. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we're doing this year. And uh, so far, about 4,000 people have signed on, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, I would have been really happy with 100. Uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> it has kind of blown my mind, uh, the amount of people who have, have signed up and are joining in. So it's been a lot of fun. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, let, let's, uh, I want to, we're going to go into the Shakespeare 2020 stuff in just a little bit, but I want to know a little bit more, but kind of a, a little bit go a little deeper into the the process and your creation of the the Star Wars uh, pieces. My um I when I was still in the in the classroom a student of mine Finn Kelly uh we went on a New York trip and I always take them by the drama bookshop on uh on the tour and uh spend some time in there just them looking around and he one of my students my seniors at the time he found that and he's a huge Star Wars fan. He was so excited. He bought it. I think he bought like a couple of them at the time, actually. And then um, we got back and when he graduated, he came up to me with uh, the first one, the um, the Verily A New Hope. And he handed it to me. He said, I'm giving you my copy. I love this so much and I want you to produce this one day. And when you do, you let me know because I want to come back and be in it. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so it's <laughs> on my shelf for a long time and I finally picked it up and read it. And I 
loved it. It was so much fun. Um, and, and it just, I, I actually messaged him the other week and let him know that I'd be talking with you. And he was like, Oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it was a joy to write and, and people who know me well, when they heard that I was doing it, they said, Oh, of course you're doing that because it's, it is <laughs> it's so very much a perfect combination of two things. I, I really love. Um, and you, as, as I've been reading about, uh, your creation of that, um, you, you, of course you had to approach Lucasfilms, but then they told you take it and run with it and go further. Yeah. So when I what, exactly, so when I wrote my first, the first sample that I wrote was really the first act. So the first fifth of the movie, um, and no, thinking of George Lucas as somebody who, you know, uh, is fair, fairly protective of his material and rightly so, mm-hmm. um, I did not stray too far from, uh, the original, dialogue i mean i was i was sort of shakespeareizing it um but i was not necessarily adding much else beyond that's not in the movies um and lucasfilm saw what i had done and they responded and said we like where this is going so far but we want to see if he can if he can do more with it you know if he can have more more fun with it basically they they I think they knew uh, they were wise enough to know that if you were going to do a concept like this, which is already a, a pretty silly concept, you might as well go all the way with it. So, <laughs> um, so I, I revised the first couple of scenes and added uh, R2D2 speaking in English to the audience and his asides, and added things like stormtroopers talking about getting drinks with Darth Vader at Mos Eisley and stuff like that. So, um, and that was the point at which they said, "Okay, yeah, we're we're happy to license this because <laughs> uh, you know they they did want to see it be a little more a little more fun, which was great." And, and these days, I just get I get to try whatever I want to, and uh, I make them pull me back if they need to. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Um, so, what was the, what was that process like of of taking, I guess, a modern futuristic language and putting it in um, in Shakespeare's language? So uh, I really wanted to do honor to Shakespeare. I, th- I think we've all seen Shakespearean parody uh, done really poorly, you know, where you kind of yeah. add S to the end of any word and you call it Shakespearean. Right, right. Uh, and so I, I really wanted to uh, to make it something that people who know Shakespeare would look at and say, I certainly not say, well, this is great. This is Shakespeare, you know, uh, <laughs> but, but say uh, it would at least be able to recognize that I was using a lot of uh, Shakespeare's literary devices and uh, you know, the using my Elizabethan grammar correctly and all of that kind of stuff. And so, um, so, you know, it really, in some senses, especially when I was starting off without adding too much of my own things, uh, it really was sort of a translation project. You know, I would listen to a few seconds of the film, uh, listen to a line that was being spoken, and I would think, okay, how am I going to put this in iambic pentameter? And uh, is there a a spot here where I can use some of Shakespeare's vocabulary? Are we, is there a character who's alone on the, or, you know, in the movie where they might have a soliloquy or should somebody be having an aside to the audience here? Thinking about all the different, things that Shakespeare did and and the conventions of his time, you know, making sure that when I was ending a scene, I had a rhyming couplet at the end of the scene, um, all of those kinds of things to really help it feel like, like real Shakespeare. And then, and then even after that, once I had my first draft, uh, by, by pure luck, the 
one uh, college professor that I was still in touch with was the one college professor I, I ever took a Shakespeare class from. Um, and his, his name is Murray Biggs. And he read over the entire manuscript, not ever having seen any of the Star Wars movies, which is kind of funny. Um, um, but he sent me back my entire manuscript with red ink all over it, kind of like it was a college paper he was returning to me. Uh, luckily, he, he didn't put a grade on it. Um, but he taught me a lot about grammar and the way that grammar is elizabethan grammar is used um you know i had a, a vague sense of of when you use the est ending and when you use the s ending and that kind of thing but he really schooled me on the rules behind that that's really cool and i'm just as a as a teacher and with my listeners as teachers i'm thinking what a really cool um even potential like lesson or unit plan idea uh, that they could take and, and try this with their, their own students, um, like taking taking a, a story that they know now or a film that they're into now and using those same um, those same uh, mechanics and, and, and I guess kind of rules of of Elizabethan writing and, and what the pentameters and, and, and I guess that translation project could really be a fun project for their kids. Um, and, yeah, it, and it helps demystify the language a little bit too. Yeah, I, I think so. And and the way uh, I haven't heard of a teacher who's doing that specifically. Um, all, but I um, I do know a lot of teachers who are using my books yeah. as a sort of a bridge into Shakespeare. Right. So you can read my books and you're you're experiencing experiencing iambic pentameter and uh, a lot of his conventions. But you're doing it all sort of within the safe context of Star Wars that most students are going to be at least somewhat familiar with. Um, and then that's, and, and that's also, I mean, my book, my books are also not, you know, they don't have nearly as hard a vocabulary as some of Shakespeare's plays do. Um, and so it's, it's been a, hopefully an easier jump into real Shakespeare. Yeah. 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 And then you've got some other uh, books as well. In, in addition to the, the, the star Wars, uh, series, um, I've got mean girls. I saw, um, the Macbeth version of Trump's story so far. Um, so talk a little bit about some of those others that you have that teachers could, could look into. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, my publisher Quirk books, uh, they proposed the idea of branching out beyond star Wars into some other well-known movies. And so uh, last April we, we launched what they're calling the pop Shakespeare series. Uh, and I, so we released much ado about mean girls and also, uh, get thee back to the future. Uh, so those two adaptations, um, you know, are sort of the start of, of me branching out away from star Wars and, and doing some other films as well. Um, and, and that will continue on this year, um, as well. Um, and then McTrump came about because, uh, <laughs> I, I sort of randomly started a correspondence with, um, uh, Giacomo Calabria, who's my co-author for that book, um, after reading one of his books called License to Quill, which is sort of a Shakespeare James Bond mashup. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so he and I got, you know, started writing back and forth and, and he proposed that we try to do something together. And, um, he sent me a list of ideas and one of his ideas was a Shakespearean take on the Trump administration. And, uh, that was something that, I had thought about doing during the 2016 election uh, was writing a sort of sort of history style play about um, the succession of Obama to either Clinton or Trump. And so anyway, um, so we collaborated on that and uh, got Quirk Books uh, excited about that prospect as well. And so uh, that was how how that one happened. Well, that's really cool. Um, as not getting political, but as things have 
progressed in the administration? Does there look like a, a sequel coming for that one? <laughs> it's a good question. You know, when, when we originally talked about whether we would do a sequel, um, my, my thought was, well, if we're going to do a sequel, the, the first one came out uh, this past October, October 2019. And I thought if we're going to do a sequel, we would maybe want to want to have it come out like a year later. So it's before the election, um, you know, sort of while things are still uh, hot, as it, yeah. as it were. Um, and, and that's, uh, you know, QuirkBooks is thinking because the, McTrump is essentially the first two years of the administration. So they're thinking that if we do a sequel, uh, it will be sort of the the last two or the the second two years i should say the the second two years of his first term um and so uh and and so frankly i don't know if a sequel will be something that people will want at, at that point yeah. uh whether he's re-elected or not um i don't know that that they'll be looking for uh for a sequel so so i'm, I'm not totally sure about that yeah he's just there's a lot of material for you to pull from <laughs> <laughs> there is every every day there's new every material day, yeah and day. and it's i mean you know I, I mean just to speak both sides of the aisle here i mean we are sort of uh parodying everybody it's Absolutely. not just about yeah, yeah. him uh it's it's democratic leadership it's kind of taking the whole thing into consideration absolutely absolutely um so i know um on your on your website, you have a frequently asked questions place uh, that where you answer the question about performance rights. If people are interested in doing these, um, can you kind of share a little bit about that? If teachers are excited out there listening and and kind of are looking to maybe want to do that. Yeah. So so unfortunately, don't get too excited right. <laughs> uh, with Star Wars and Back to the Future and Mean Girls because those are all licensed properties um you know i'm i'm really using somebody else's intellectual property um you know to create these books and and i'm doing it in a licensed way i'm doing it legally you know uh mm -hmm. and, and above board but that also means that the the movie studios then are the ones who control the copyright to those books not not me as as would sort of normally be the case with an author and so uh if there is a um a public performance or a public reading or anything like that. It's something that the movie studios would have to agree to and would have to license separately. So for example, actually um, there are audio books of uh, uh, four out of the eight star Wars books that I've done so far and both back to the future and mean girls. And those essentially happened, uh, you know, I mean, not, not without my knowledge. I, um, and I was able to contribute to a little bit to them, but it, it was not like it was essentially not a deal that I was really even part of because mm. they that material belongs to the movie studios. Um, and so all the, the, the three studios at this point who are involved, uh, none of them have authorized public performances or readings um, at this point, unless it's sort of in promotion of the book. Like there's right. there are occasionally public readings at like a Comic Con where they'll have actually the audio book cast come and do the um you know, a reading of it. But anyway, so, so unfortunately right now it can't be staged, uh, at a school. I would, I would love to see that someday. Um, but right now it doesn't seem like that's in the cards. That's right. Um, <clears throat> so let's shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about the Shakespeare 2020 project. Um, like I said, it popped up in my Facebook feed and I was intrigued and it was right around the time of the new year's resolutions hitting. And I just made a commitment that I was going to do this and stick to it. And so far I have, um, there are so many characters in the Henry the Sixth plays. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yes. I, I've actually really enjoyed it. And the more I've, cause I'm reading it and listening to it at the same time. Um, 
and the more I hear it and see it, the more that language gets a little easier for me to take in with every time I listen to a new one. Um, yeah. So I, the schedule is available online on your website. Uh, so I encourage people to check that out, iandesher.com. Um, and you've got the Shakespeare 2020 project there. Um, it's got a full schedule for the whole year and it's broken down and it's, you've got some, you've got some cool, uh, plays happening in different times of the year. Uh, but I know you're following that, uh, Riverside Shakespeare in order pretty well. Uh, so, uh, tell me a little bit more about what we can find when we get on the website and if people sign up and, and the, the resources that you send out with that each week as well. Yeah, so so like you mentioned, the schedule, uh, and as I said, is roughly chronological of mm-hmm. when Shakespeare uh, wrote the plays, which which actually, if I had to do over again, I might have put the histories in order of when the actual history happened, because uh, that might have might have made it a little easier to follow along with who's who, um, because it is sort of a you know it is sort of weird starting with Henry the Sixth when we're then going to go go back in the historical time and and read Henry the Fourth and Henry the Fifth. Um, anyway, uh, I did move around certain plays uh, so that they would match the uh, the year uh, or or in a couple places. I just sort of timed them right. So Twelfth uh, Night actually ended up being the first play that we read because uh, it that that meant that we were reading that play when Twelfth Night actually occurred, which is January 5th. Um, the uh, we'll read Julius Caesar over the Ides of March. We'll read. Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, right in the middle of summer in July. Um, we will read uh, Henry V over St. Crispin's Day, which is uh, October 25th, which is, uh, you know, the subject of, of one of his uh, big speeches and famous speeches in that in that play. Uh, and then we'll read A Winter's Tale uh, in winter in December. So uh, I, I did try to, as much as possible, sort of match up the plays with the calendar um, as, as best I could. Um, and then in terms of resources, I, I am, with each play, I am uh, posting some online resources that I am finding. Uh, I'm also, the Folger Shakespeare Library has uh, has really sort of um, helped me out in a lot of ways with this project. Uh, they've, they, in fact, I, I credit them in large part with being the ones who uh, helped boost my numbers so much. Um, they invited me to write a blog article about the project and uh and then they publicized it and of course they have a a very broad very large audience um and from there people started sharing it and that kind of thing so um uh, and so i've i'm I'm also they've they've shown me their digital archive of uh, they have images of different that associated with different productions from the 19th and 20th centuries um and so they've introduced me to that digital archive they have uh and so i'm including images from that for every play that we read. And then I'm also, I got this idea in my head to um, contact uh, either college professors or directors or anybody who's really knowledgeable about specific plays or poems. Um, And I'm having them do uh, offer video introductions to the plays. Um, And those are ranging uh, generally around five minutes, although I I just got one in for Comedy of Errors that's gonna be about 10 minutes long. Um, and, uh, and they're just, it's sort of like, I mean, I almost think of it like a, like a pre-show talk, you know, if you went mm-hmm. to the theater and, and somebody came out and sort of gave you some context for the play, that's, that's what these, uh, talks are trying to do, um, for people who are unfamiliar with the plays. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I've been contacting people to do that and I've, I've got a lot of those lined up, uh, with any luck, I will <laughs> have a video introduction made for 
every play and every poem that we that we look at. Um, and one thing I have not yet received, though I have many sort of promises of these coming, um, is also some people filming either uh, speeches or scenes uh, from some of the plays um, and and offering those for our project, um, you know, to so people can see some of these things acted out. Um, I, I am a big believer. It's, it's sort of is a common thing that people say uh, that, uh, you know, Shakespeare is meant to be performed or read aloud as opposed to just read on the page. And I and I totally agree with that. And it's also um, it can be really hard, depending on where you live, to find uh, Shakespeare productions locally. Uh, it obviously can be expensive to do that, to go see live theater. Um, and so that is why, you know, I am, uh, you know, setting this out there as sort of a reading project. But I'm also uh, the first one to say, you know, that I, I'm not trying to be dogmatic about how people do this. I, I, I love that you're for instance, reading it and listening to it uh, at the same time. I think that anytime you can listen to it, that's going to help in your understanding of it and mm -hmm. your experience of it. Um, and so, uh, and people, some people are sort of, uh, especially again with the histories, sort of skipping around in the order a little bit of how they're reading the histories. And I think that's great. I heard from one guy from uh, Australia who said, uh, I'm going to read a winter's tale when you have Midsummer Night's Dream uh, posted. I'm going to read Midsummer Night's Dream when you have a winter sale because for us it's right. It's, it's winter, winter is yeah. summer and summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I thought that made great sense. Um, and so uh, yeah, I do hope people are sort of making this their own. But uh, but on the website you can um, there's an email list you can sign up for that sort of where I'm sending out these resources. Really just sending like one email per play. I'm not trying to overload people's inboxes. Um, and then there's a Facebook group as well uh, that people can join uh, where there is uh, constant discussion going on about all kinds of different things. Um, that is, uh, it's all been a lot of fun. I have enjoyed the videos each week um, and it really gives a lot of, like you said, context, but it, some really just fun facts and cool information about each play and, and kind of the stories surrounding them. So I, I really appreciated those. And again, the, the resources that come along with that, with the, 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 the photos and, and, and just all the information that you're sending out with it. I think you're, you're doing a really fantastic job with that. And for a person who's been a Shakespeare phobe for a long time, I've really enjoyed it and gotten a lot out of it. And I'm starting to, like I said, really enjoy what I'm doing and, and reading and, and getting familiar with the plays. Cause at Illinois State University, we are the home of the Illinois Shakespeare Festival. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I've always, since I started there three years ago, I felt kind of like an outsider because I've been so scared about that. But I, I'm forcing myself to conquer that fear this year. So thank you for doing this. Um, I'm so glad. That makes me so happy. So. <laughs> um, well, Ian, is there any are there any resources that you can recommend for teachers um, when it comes to Shakespeare or um, Obviously, your resources of your own here, but are there any, is there anything else that you could recommend for teachers as they're, they may be looking for something useful in their classrooms? I mean, um, I don't know that I have a, a ton of information there. I, I think that the, the things that I find most useful in terms of helping me with Shakespeare, uh, I do really like the No Fear Shakespeare, which is a, uh, a Sparknotes creation, I believe. Um, and uh, I also am a, you know, as I mentioned earlier, one of the things that made me fall in love with Shakespeare was watching film adaptations of Shakespeare. And um, there are great adaptations out there for, for really every play, ever since the BBC and the 
er, late seventies and early eighties, uh, the BBC did a pro project of uh, dramatizing and filming all of the plays. Um, and those are still available. There's a service that is available through m most um, public library systems in the United States. It's called Canopy with a K, K-A-N-O-P-Y. And they have, uh, it's, a, it's a free service to your public library where they have all of these BBC productions available. So even obscure plays, I mean, obviously more uh, well-known plays like Romeo and Juliet and Hamlet and Macbeth, you can, you can find other adaptations of those. But even obscure plays, you can find the BBC productions and they're all well acted and well done. Um, so, uh, so I think those are, you know, I, I think especially for introducing Shakespeare to kids, uh, it can really be useful to at least be showing some uh, movie adaptations um, along the way. And that way you can also have kids read the plays and help them understand or look at uh, well, why did the director make the choice to, you know, why was this particular scene cut out? Um, why was this left in? Um, you know, wh why did the director make these choices that they did? Um, and I think that can really help bring Shakespeare alive for students. Awesome. Those are great. So thank you so much. Well, Ian Desher, thank you so much for joining me and, and, and sharing kind of your what all what work you've got out there and kind of your journey to that and uh i wish you all the best with everything and continued success and just thank you for all that you're doing thank you my pleasure and thank you again for having me on thank you well, thank you ian desher for joining me on fed talks i appreciate all the work that you have done uh for making shakespeare accessible to our young people and to our old people like myself so thank you keep up the great work teachers check out his work that's ian desher i-a-n-d-o-e-s-c-h-e-r.com you can find um information about all of his books that are out there as well as the Shakespeare 2020 project right there in the top left corner of the website when you go to his page um, you'll find the schedule as well as all the resources that have uh, come out for each of the plays so far uh, if you haven't started on that and you're interested in it go ahead it's not too late so thank you for listening please check out our website www.fedtalks.com where you can find all the archives of every past episode we've had with each teacher's page with their pictures you can see what they look like as well as all of their resources and the transcripts from the episodes find us on um, all your favorite podcast providers you can find us on apple podcasts on itunes google Podcasts, google play spotify stitcher AnyPod, and tune in um, go on there subscribe to us rate us review us and most importantly share the podcast with those theater teachers and future theater teachers in your life who you think could benefit from what i'm doing here on the show contact me by email at fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com find me on all your social media at twitter at theater ed talks on tumblr fedtalks.tumblr.com facebook at fed talks and instagram fed talks podcast and of course our website one more time is www.fedtalks.com thank you joel hamlin and joshua schusterman for the use of your original music magnet and flip the record and teachers thank you for listening i also want to let you know about a new podcast that i found uh, the other day on my travels going to visit my student teachers and it's called teacher needs a drink podcast i highly recommend you check them out where my show um, fed talks is kind of more for the teacher during the school day think of teacher needs a drink podcast as the happy hour for teachers after school where they can just kind of cut loose and uh just talk about whatever they want when it comes to teaching in, in our lives as teachers. Um, it's not safe for work, so 
you might not want to have that playing on your desk whenever you have kids around in your classroom. So please check it out. Teacher Needs a Drink podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care of yourselves and uh, check back next week with a new episode. Take care.